the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to the second hour of the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Todd asked during the break. He said, "You want to do your intro again?" I said, "Yeah, why not?" Right. Um, we were talking about immigration before we took what felt like a really long break. But that's the way it rolls when you got a top of the hour. Right, Todd? Got to do a little news break and all that. We were talking about immigration. We were talking about Trump's plan. People thought he had no policy specifics. Well, you know what? It, I don't think it takes a real genius to come up with the fact that you got people coming across the border. Seal the border. It kind of reminds me of that movie, Arachnophobia, where he comes out, John Goodman comes out, and he's like, oh, the, the wood's bad. And she's like, well, what do you do? He says, well, you take out the bad wood, you put in good wood. You got people coming across the border, and they're not supposed to be here. Well, you stop them. That's what you do. And you also don't provide incentives for them to come here. It is not an invasion. is not an act of love. Okay? Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that there is some... I'm not anti-immigration across the border, Alicia, and I think that most Americans would say that we are a nation of immigrants. you got to come here legally. There is a local company, Qualcomm. Most people have heard of Qualcomm, I would imagine. And I don't know if you know, Alicia, but there, there were going to be, there's words of some pending layoffs. And so it was all over the news that, oh, my gosh, the, the Qualcomm is going to be laying off people at the same time that they have applied for thousands of H-1 visas for highly skilled tech workers. And that didn't come as a surprise to me because I, I've, I know Leslie Fishlock from Geek Girl Tech Conference here in San Diego. I know Victor Cicerelli from Steam Maker. And these are science, technology, engineering and math, really, STEM is what it's about. And I know from Leslie Fishlock, Alicia, and, and Geek Girl, they're trying to get women involved in engineering and in tech, as well as steam makers doing the same thing. They're trying to entice young people to get involved in engineering and, and science and technology because that's where the jobs are. We have we do have a need in this country. We've got companies like Qualcomm that can't find workers because the American Students coming out of high school and coming out of college, even coming out of college with these women's studies degrees, Alicia, and they can't get work. Yeah. So this is a reality. One of the things that we need to think about in terms of we've got a border crisis, and it's not just a physical border with the illegals coming here. But we also have an economic border issue, and we have virtual border issues with like cyber crimes and and you know the cyber attacks that have gone on with China. But but this is something that the Republican Party can get behind, too. We're talking about how they can own that issue with Planned Parenthood. They can also turn this immigration argument around and say, you know what, we're not anti-immigrant. We just want smart immigration. And when you read what's going on with Qualcomm, it's smart to say, yeah, we're, we're OK with bringing some immigrants here, but they need to come here with a lot of degrees and fill, you know, highly skilled work. They're not going to go under the entitlement system and they're going to be contributors to society. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's really easy. We can just, all we have to say is that we're not going to pay their way, and then they will have to contribute. They will have to work. They'll have to be entrepreneurs, or, and they're going to have to have some skills. So, I mean, you don't even have to, to really heavily regulate this to make the economics work. You know, uh, and, and by the way, the other problem, of course, is that we're graduating all these liberal arts people. And, and I say that I have an English degree, but I knew it was going to go. Oh, Lord. Well, you knew you were going to you knew you were going to law school, right? I, I was. I, I got the degree. I, I'm very uh, I'm very pointy headed. And I got that degree specifically because I need to know how to write in order to be a good lawyer. So, you know, I, I did it for practical reasons. So when. When uh, we have an education bubble, you know, we got Bernie Sanders running around saying that we should make education free. You know, if we make our colleges free, we're going to have nothing but a generation of people studying art. You know, and art is lovely, and I like art, but (laughs) if people actually have to pay for the choices that they make, they start to make choices a little more practical, and that's, that's how we get more people to actually learn engineering. Right. And, um... And the Republican Party can turn that around, that argument around to their advantage. But was this was this before or after that you you were in went to the military academy? A lot of people don't know that about you. Yes, that's true. Uh, I, I I went to the Naval Academy, but I didn't uh, I didn't complete uh, my degree there. I, I transferred to the University of Washington and uh, completed my English degree, and then went straight to law school after that. Oh, Washington, well. Bless you for escaping that crunchy land up there, girl. Um, you know, I just—I always—I was—I was on a military base. My husband at the time was uh, on a submarine, and we lived on the military base. And I, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough that I was able to get in, get in, and transfer there. And it was a good school, but uh, no. yeah, there's some strange people up in the Pacific Northwest, and I, I will mm-hmm. tell you. <laughs> yeah, I spent a couple of weeks up there. Unfortunately, I was with uh, there on business, and we just we ran through the airport, scared to death. We were going to miss our flight and have to spend another <laughs> have to spend another night in Tacoma. Okay, um, but there, uh, you know, so we're talking about immigration here. Yes, the Republicans need to get on board with with legal immigration and one that makes sense. They also need to continually remind people of the crimes that are being committed. We have thirty six. Is it thirty six thousand criminals that were just recently? put out on the street. We all know what's been going on with the sanctuary cities. New reports come out daily. We now find out today in McAllen, Texas, a previously deported illegal who has been convicted of sexually assaulting a child earlier this year is back in the United States. It's like it never ends. We've got in April, we found out we find out in April that two of the dreamers the supposed unaccompanied minors, See, the, the terminology unaccompanied minors was supposed to make us feel all sad for these supposed kids. Well, two of them have been arrested for allegedly raping a 14-year-old girl. So there is much that the Republican Party can get behind, get off some of these issues that they don't answer well, and get behind this, Alicia, because back before the midterms, that's one reason why the Republican Party was given the majority because of that. Um, I want to shift gears. And let's see, get to my notes over here and talk about another issue that we raised recently. I was at last week. I had Bridget Gabriel from Act for America on. I want to remind everybody that she's got a great event in in September, September 8 and 9. If you're within my listening voice and you're going to be in the D.C. area, please go to actforamerica.org. Find out where you can go for that event. What I love about that event is that she's actually matching up people who are going to the event with meetings with their representative from their district where you can look them in the eye and you can 
tell them, stop this nonsense that's going on with the support of radical Islam here in America. We want our armed forces to be armed at military installations where they can defend themselves. There's a variety of pieces of legislation that Bridget Gabriel and her group and her organization are involved in because we have got this is something else that I am not hearing enough of on the the, the trail. Yes, it's the economy, stupid, but, but Americans can walk and chew gum, Alicia. We know what's going on here in, in the nation with radical Islam. It's another way that they're trying to beat us over the head with the political correct stick. They're trying to shove through Common Core and a variety of other means, trying to shove normalize that ideology on us and then tell us if we're not for it that we're Islamophobic. Islamophobia. And one of the ways that the Republican Party can reown that argument is through the war on women. And the the left has abandoned women in regards to radical Islam. You cannot tell me you're the party for women and then you're cozying up to a, quote, religion that subjugates women like they do. They believe that it is young as the age of nine that these girls can be raped and be turned into brides. I put an article on... Top 10 list of uh, countries that are the most brutal towards women just came out today. Uh-huh. And out of those countries, I think the only one that wasn't an Islamic country was Nepal. <laughs> the rest of them were, you know, it's Afghanistan, it's Syria, it's, you know, um, countries in, in, uh, in Africa, that's Ivory Coast. I mean, they're, they're all uh, Muslim-dominated countries where the women are suffering uh, rape and uh, genital mutilation and enslavement and horrible deaths for, you know, all kinds of repressive things. So, you know, to, to say that... Uh, Islam is a peaceful religion. I think it, not only does it ignore history, but it does it ignores this massive human rights problem that we have across the world. Absolutely. And the Republican Party, if they're smart, they will point that out. And not and, and the tribal traditions might vary among the different sect, but the Koran clearly states that women are the property of the man and they can be beaten. And we all know a variety of other things that happen under Sharia. And one of the things that the Republican Party can also talk about is about supporting the women and the Christians and the Yazidis, for example, in Iraq that are being tortured and raped and murdered. And the Democrat party is doing nothing to help them. God bless these women over in Iraq. I don't know if you heard about this, Alicia. The Yazidi girls, they have yeah. formed, uh, founded by this gal, uh, Zate Shigali, formed Sun Girls, and they are just a bad group of chicks, man. They're fighting back against the Islamic State, who kidnapped thousands of these Yazidi young women and and women and young, very young girls when, when the Islamic State stormed the Sinjar province in August 2012. And where is the Obama administration? These women have been raped and murdered thousands by the thousands. This is just ethnic genocide and, and just brutality. And the Democrat Party has just left them there. And the Republican Party is saying nothing, doing nothing to help them. I haven't heard any mention of how they're going to help these oppressed people around the world. And there's just so many opportunities for the Republican Party to get this story back and, and, and get it back and, and, and not allow themselves to be called Islamophobia, speak out against this ideology and claim it. And I agree with Oliver North, and we're going to take a break. He said, if you can't say that radical Islam is the enemy, it's not the Islamic State that's the enemy. It's radical Islam. And if you can't say it, you don't deserve to be commander in chief. And I haven't heard anybody yet. And have you, Alicia? I have not heard yet any Republican candidate in 2016 say it. I haven't yet either. I haven't either. They, have, they weren't asked. 
Well, they, well, you know what? I'd be getting it in every chance I got. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got lots of other things to get in. we got stuff happening with the National Labor Relations Board and football players and net neutrality. We even have some fun, feel-good stories, too. So it's Monday night edition of the Andrea K. Show right here on AIM 1170, The Answer. Thanks for tuning in. AM 1170, The Answer. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. AM 1170, The Answer.com. Hear us anywhere in San Diego and the world. AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrew K Show. I am so glad to have you here with me tonight. Um, I want to give a special dedication tonight to a friend of mine who's not listening, but I just wanted to send some love out there through the airwaves to a friend of mine who lost her husband in a plane crash that was uh, on the news yesterday here in San Diego. And this gal is just great actress, wonderful woman. And I am heartbroken for you tonight, Kathy, for, for the loss of your beloved husband. 36 years they were together and just, um, She's a great gal, and my heart is just breaking for you tonight, Kathy. So tonight's show is dedicated to her. Truly great lady. Um, another sad story in terms of a loss that I didn't know about this guy, Alicia. You might have known about this. Did you know about a guy named Lenny Robinson who dressed up like Batman in Baltimore, and he went around as the superhero to visit sick kids in the hospital? No, I hadn't heard this. I hadn't heard of this. And he was struck and killed on the side of the road after his car broke down. And he I guess, evidently was really well known and just a great contributor to society and just put a lot of smiles on kids' faces tonight. So what a dear man. And I'm hoping that somebody's going to, you know, decide to pick up that idea and run with it. Because I just imagine that those kids just absolutely, you know, just loved seeing Batman come in. I would have loved that, even though I probably would have been more excited as a kid to see Robin. Because I like Robin. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of work, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I don't know if you follow. Y'all know I'm a, I'm a football fanatic, but I typically am more NFL than college, even though I love my beloved LSU Tigers. But they disappoint me so much every year. But anyway, there was a lawsuit filed on behalf of some Northwestern players because they wanted to unionize. Right. 
And Thanks. you're the legal beagle. I'm not exactly sure I understand uh, the legal jargon, who's got jurisdiction, who's not. But basically, the National Labor Relations Board said, you know, we don't have jurisdiction over that. And basically, we're not going to allow you to unionize. Now, basically, it was without prejudice, meaning that, you know, it was basically this ruling was just specific to Northwestern. Other schools, I guess, could could come forth. For that, But they wanted to unionize because basically they were labeled, declared at some point employees. And so because of that, they felt like they should have the right to unionize. So I'm not sure why they weren't granted the right to unionize if they were employees. But to me, the whole situation is ridiculous. Okay, I know when I went to LSU that those ball players, whether it was football, especially football, but all the different sports uh, athletes, they had, man, it was gravy for them. They had oh, yeah. everything. You know, they had they had their dorm, you know, room and board paid for. They didn't have to pay for, they didn't have to pay for a jello shot anywhere back in the day at LSU. I mean, these people were like celebrities. So this, to me, it's nonsense for them to act as though, you know, they're, first and foremost, it's like the guy from Northwestern said, you're supposed to be a student first and foremost. And it's your choice to come to this institution. Quite frankly, you should be, it, it's, it's a privilege and amazing to be offered a scholarship and be offered a chance to play ball at some of these places. And it's a dream come true for some of these guys. So to me, they just sound like typical liberal entitlement brats thinking that they want to be able to band together and hold a gun to somebody's head to get a piece of the pie. Am I wrong? Um, I agree with you <laughs> completely. Okay. So first of all, I have to say I like college football better than uh, than pro, and it's been a while since I really watched it. But uh, you know, that was the, it, that was the game at the University of Washington when I was there. You know, the football players they barely barely have to pass classes. But you know, the, the ruling actually was not just that they were employees. There is a suggestion that they should be treated as employees because uh, they make the university. Uh, a lot of money, and so the argument is we're required to do certain things like show up to practice and play games, and as a result, you make a profit university, you know, because, again, making money is apparently evil in this country. Um, but the idea that these are these are somehow employees who are, who are being treated as slave labor is ridiculous. They are getting, uh, they're supposed to be amateurs, uh, athletes, and uh, NCAA goes through great pains of making making sure that uh, people are not receiving uh, remuneration uh, and, and that they are truly uh, student-athletes. And, and like you said, they're getting uh, the scholarships. They're getting uh, their board, and they're getting all these things that the rest of us schmucks like me like, have to work for. Right. Know? Yeah, and not only that, and their argument was, well, I've got, they've got control over me. They can tell me where to go and when to be there and all that. Well, hey, guess what? So did my sorority. They had control right. over you know the clothing that I wore. We had a standards chairman who judged us in terms of our makeup, okay? I mean, it was specific. Wow. Specific in terms of the control the sorority had over us, and we weren't trying to unionize and take any profits. You know, and just because you're an employee doesn't mean you you should also just the very nature of having the status of employee also does not grant you an entitlement to share in the profits. What usually you get to share in the profits when you share in some risk, okay? And that, that means risk in terms of financial risk as well as maybe buying into the company. Maybe there's risk involved in liability in terms of some form of partnership, not just because you're showing up and punching a clock, but that's the mindset that's of liberals. But I, I, but I don't think that these, are, I don't think athletes are, are employees. I just don't see how you can argue that they're employees. Yes, they have to show up for practice and all that in order to keep their scholarships. You know what? I had a scholarship law school 
and I had to get certain grades. And I had, uh, I got really sick the day before my first uh, final. And when I say really sick, I mean I was in, uh, I was in the ER sick, <laughs> for, and I was in uh, the hospital for several days. And the school told me if I don't show up and take those finals, I'm going to lose my scholarship. And I didn't turn around and say, well, I'm an employee because you forced me to come and take my test right. on your time frame. Right. You know, right. It's, it's just ridiculous. And so, the, so the NLRB, which is, you know, the National Labor Relations Board, is then pro-union. Their job is to help people need. <laughs> I mean, right. And to, to enforce the act, it was a labor act, but they're very pro-union. Um, so the fact that they made this decision shows that there's even a line where they said they, they couldn't and they couldn't do it because the 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 consequences would be too far reaching. It would turn a lot of things on their head, you know. These people are they're voluntarily coming in to be athletes. You know, I I ran cross country in school and I had to show up for practice and nobody paid me to do that, but I did it anyway because I wanted to do it. Right. I mean, it. you know, the, the idea that somebody's got tells you that you need to be somewhere at a certain time automatically me- means you're an employee and you get to share in the profits. Again, the sorority. We had meetings. We had to we had to be there at a certain time. We had activities that we were required to participate in. We had grades. We had to have a grade level we were supposed to require in. And but right. most importantly, standards. You know, if you got caught making out with your boyfriend in a way they thought was inappropriate or doing something. I mean, you were literally monitored for your behavior and your appearance. And let me tell you 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 know they would call you in and say you know we saw you walking across campus looking particularly haggard okay and that's just ain't gonna roll you're gonna go you're gonna go trotting around looking like that take your take your letters off because you can't be representing us I mean that's the kind that's right. the kind of controls they have on you so right. I it, it, yeah it's not it's not a for profit it's, it's not really meant to be a for profit thing yes there's right. a lot of there's a lot of money that's earned by the alumni, um, you know, but it, it's fundraising. Right. You know, that's, that's what all of this is about. And to turn those uh, institutions on their heads, I think it would be disastrous. And, it, you know, the universities are not really trying to be for-profit corporations where they're having somebody come in and punch a clock. Right. These people are not... They're, they're not really part of what the unionization is meant to protect. I mean, unions are meant to protect people who are, like, would otherwise be stuck in a factory, you know, losing limbs and, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was really more about manufacturing, you know, because I have, to me, I think unions have actually outlived their usefulness. I think it's organized crime at this point. They've put more businesses, they've put more businesses out of business than they've provided labor. That's why membership has gone way down, because it's they you know it's really about um, they're like little and and on top of it, they're like little oh, Marxist communities and no, everybody oh, gets paid the same so everybody's performance is supposed to be same nobody's rewarded for overachievement it's so it you know it's basically advances mediocrity you know we really need to get rid of unions I've never needed a union because I've negotiated every contract that I've ever you know worked under and I didn't need anybody to do it for me and I don't worry about whether or not what somebody else is getting paid you know I I, I negotiate for myself. As long as we have competition in the labor force and competition in the workplace, we don't need unions. Right. Unions were there for when uh, a time when uh, there were a couple of corporations that were too powerful and uh, they were taking advantage of people. And, you know, we have laws that prevent that now anyway. Right. We so don't even need it. Yeah, yeah. The movie funny. Norma Ray was filmed in, in the textile mill factory that my grandmother worked at. In fact, some family members of my mine, when they filmed Norma Ray, they filmed it there and they were in the background. And, you know, my grandmother lost her hearing and had black lung and all that. I mean, there was a time when, when conditions were like that and they needed that. We don't anymore. Got to shift gears before we take a break. Do I have a minute to do another little story? 
Um, sad story. This is normally when I would have Della B on the show doing a little Hollywood, her little Hollywood buzz report, but she's at an undis- undisclosed location tonight. Sad story, Alicia. I don't know if you heard this, um, but we, this is the summer of crime, like I reported last week. And the granddaughter of Morgan Freeman, who's such an amazing actor, she was stabbed to death in Manhattan early Sunday. It's being reported as though she was stabbed in the middle of an exorcism, but it really wasn't. This guy was whacked out on drugs, just, you know, waving and stabbing a knife like a crazy man. In fact, long after she was already on the ground, he was still waving his hand around, didn't even have a, a knife in it. And it's so sad because I guess she was out to dinner with this boyfriend with some other friends, and they said she was happy and everything was wonderful. Um, but, you know, he he supposedly, his he's a rapper named Lyric. And Lyric supposedly abuses cocaine, pot, and booze. Meanwhile, he's got two young children. Nice daddy, right? Um, six prior arrests, including marijuana and petty larceny. So this is just a tragic story. And so much of a domestic abuse situations in this country involves drugs and alcohol. I think the far vast majority. So we're going to take a break, Alicia. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a scourge going on in the nation. And we're going to debate this out because there's a major drug problem going on in this in this country. And people wringing their hands trying to figure out what to do about it. Is it a health crisis or should it still be treated as a criminal situation? So we're going to debate that when we come back. So this is the Andrea K Show on KCBQ AM 1170. Look no further. We have the answer. AM 1170. The answer. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. San Diego's home for intelligent, conservative talk. AM 1170, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you here with me. Hey, I was just reading some great comments on uh, Facebook because that's where the real genius is. And Timothy Shea had a good point. Grad students tried to unionize, too. You know, I didn't go to grad school, but I'm not sure what in the world grad students think they're employees from. Because y'all doing, y'all sitting in when the professor is gone and y'all handing out blue books for tests? Uh, at least- well, these grad students are actually working as professors. <laughs> you know, they're actually teaching classes for the university. Well, I see. I never had a grad student as an instructor that I that I remember. So I guess that's new to me. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, if you're working, but still, do they need to unionize? I mean, come on. How hard is it to hand out a blue book? Peggy had a good comment. She says, because uh, I was talking about Islam earlier in the show. She says, in fourteen hundred years, Islam has killed more humans than Stalin. Hitler combined. They are the major slavers, Satan's servants. Excellent point, Peggy. Excellent point. And there's a lot of people that know the history of that, and that's one reason why they're concerned with the speech that Carly Fiorina gave uh, at HP that was actually given where she bragged on and on and on about them being the great civilization. And it was it was a little too soon after 9-11 for that. So um, I'm, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on her, but I really think she needs to, to answer for that. Um, there is a scourge going on in the nation. Uh, this The um, war on drugs or the drug issues that we've got in the country has not really been mentioned that I've heard, Alicia, with any of the candidates. Uh, did you know that heroin use has increased 63% in the last 11 years, Alicia? It's yeah. gone. I, I didn't know this. I mean, it's in, in just since uh, 2007. Um, heroin-related dependence has gone up 150%. And more than 8,200 people died of a heroin-related drug overdose in 2013. And even though, according to this article here, which came from Time.com, while heroin use is most common among men between 18 and 25 who make less than 20 grand, because it's a cheap drug, in recent years, nearly every demographic group has started using heroin. This is a shock to me because... You know, I, I remember, you know, seeing stuff when I was a kid. I guess my parents did a really good job scaring me off drugs because the idea of ever doing a drug is just so frightening I, I to me. I'm much of a control freak, to be totally honest. Like, I uh, could not stand to take drugs. I wouldn't be able to handle not having complete control of my mind and body. Right. I mean, I, I had to go on another round of prednisone for my lungs, and it's just I had to force the pill down my throat every night. I don't like the idea of, of right. putting, you know, I, I do like a, a cocktail. I had a margarita this weekend, but, you know, I don't think one margarita, you know, does a heroin addiction make. But actually, this article goes on to talk about one of the reasons why there's a rise in heroin use is people become addicted to these painkillers. And that's something right. else that I really avoid. You know, I will I will not take one of these opioid painkillers unless I absolutely have to, because this is what's really driving uh, so much of, of addiction. But at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to drugs, uh, you know, I get that some people say, like, you look at Robert Downey Jr., you know, is it a health issue? And we, How should we treat addiction or is it a crime? Well, you know what? The, the more we make people less responsible for their lives, Alicia, and we, we treat them like victims versus people who've made a choice. There's a reason why I'm not a drug addict, because I made a decision really early on in my life. I'm talking about by the time I was 10, that I was never going to take a drug, ever. So, you know, why should I, as a taxpayer, you know, be forced to continue to pay rehab after rehab after rehab for personal choices? 
Well, you're paying for you're paying for jail time, which is one of the major line items of our of our government budget. Is paying for people who are in jail. So I'll answer that question with just a really practical answer. Um, in 2000, in the year 2000, Portugal decriminalized drugs, and they did it in response to a heroin epidemic. They had over 100,000 heroin addicts uh, between 1990 and 2000. Um, it, it was just flooding their country. It became a massive problem. They started having uh, a major increase in AIDS um, and uh, drug-related violence and crime. Um, and so they took the radical step of decriminalizing it and uh, apportioning some of those dollars towards allowing uh, people who are addicts to go to clinics and get clean. And as a result, they've had a drop by 50% of heroin use, and they've had a massive decrease in crime and a massive decrease in uh, disease like HIV. And so it's actually just as a matter of public utility Decriminalizing it um, resulted in a major save of taxpayers' money and a reduction of what is a horrible affliction. So, you know, yes, I agree that people should have self, uh, should be responsible for themselves, but just the straight numbers tell me that putting people in jail for heroin addiction versus giving them the option to go to a clinic, a clinic is much more effective. Well, Just from a financial standpoint. Well, but then again, I remember watching a report on 60 Minutes back years ago because, yeah, I was one of these geeky teenagers that would watch like 60 Minutes and, mm-hmm. you know, Nightline and stuff like that. And, and I remember Morley Safer doing a report called Dutch Treat. And he talked about Amsterdam and how, oh, the idea of pot being so, you know, um, harmless and that it was fine to legalize drugs and you know everything was going to be great and they've got a society now of a bunch of layabout sloths who contribute nothing to society and they're a bunch of drug addicts and it's and it's all but you know destroyed you know the culture and the the country over there and yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I, that's not the statistics that I'm reading. I'm actually reading that most of the people that come to Amsterdam and use marijuana are actually um, they're German and British tourists and some Americans. <laughs> you yeah. know that they're not necessarily the Dutch who are using the marijuana. And we have. And we're seeing what's happening in, in Colorado and Washington. And we haven't had a breakdown in the moral fabric of, of Colorado as a result of legalizing marijuana. Oh, see, I got to differ. I got to. I got to dig up. You. You must not have. It must have been on a Friday night. When I reported about what's happening over in Colorado, it has become a real problem over there. One of the problems actually is going on in Colorado is the people driving under the influence. Um, they've got a lot of problems going on in Colorado right now over that. You know, it, you know, it is an intoxicant. And to me, from a culture uh, state, culture never be legal to drive under the influence, whether it's um, marijuana or or alcohol, but we should just make the right behavior, make the behavior illegal that is the actual behavior that causes harm. But, you know, you talk about people being on prescription drugs. I'll tell you, I would way rather have uh, some marijuana to deal with pain than to take, you know, Vicodin or something like that, that I could become Oxycontin or something like that, where I could become really severely addicted to it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that one of the things that, that has been proven in Colorado in that situation, and, and I'll have to dig up the article and maybe report on it Thursday night and bring it back up, is that it, marijuana is absolutely addictive. And that's a misnomer that it's not. And for me, I look at myself and I think, one again, one of the reasons why I never did drugs was because uh, you know, I didn't think I was special. You know, why are some people, some people can do drugs and not become addicted. 
some people become addicted. Why would I think I was special? You know, I didn't want to take a chance. But also, I, I take responsibility for my life, and it's because it was illegal, and I didn't want to go to jail. So to me, you know, the, it's a deterrent, and you take away that deterrent, and people are going to do more and more and more of it when you when you when you make it acceptable to society. And when you I, look I, at you I look just, at you look at and when you look at Morgan Freeman's granddaughter getting stabbed on the street, you know, it's like you know the more to me it, it just contributes to the to the breakdown of society when you when you I, endorse you know drug use. There, I, I, it's not endorsing. Making something, decriminalizing something, doesn't say that it's okay. Uh, you know, you look, I, drinking alcohol is not a crime. It's not okay to be an alcoholic uh, in the gutter. You know, mm-hmm. it's just because you say alcohol is, is not a crime, it doesn't mean that we are endorsing a behavior that's antisocial right. um, and, and painful for yourself and for other people. But I personally won't use drugs because, like I said, I'm a control freak. But actually, I'm also genuinely afraid of what would happen to me physically if I mm-hmm. did. I like to live, you know. Um, it's not a crime, uh, I, although I am the kind of person that is... Uh, you know, adverse to legal consequences, and I'm, you know, like a good girl in that way, but uh, really, I wouldn't do it even if it were legal, and I think that there are a lot of people that wouldn't. Uh, The people who are going to do it, and who don't care about the law, they're going to do it anyway, and uh, you know, but regardless of what we say philosophically, you know, you and I can talk about our choices, but we can just look at the evidence. We can look at the evidence of places that have decriminalized drugs versus the places that have put in very harsh penalties against drugs, like in America, and just see which one is more effective. Well, I which can look at more effective. Right. Well, I can look at society and say, since since um, more and more things that used to be unacceptable in society in terms of values, the more that we devalue family, the more that we make crappy behavior acceptable with crap like reality shows and the Kardashians and yeah y'all gonna bust me because y'all know I watch the housewives but you know the more that we the more that we make bad behavior acceptable the more we break down society and the more we make people there was a great book written many years ago called manufacturing victims and it's the same thing here you know okay you want to you want to decriminalize drugs or whatever and tell tell people that it's a you know it's not your fault it, you know this mindset of some Somebody becomes addicted to something, we tell them, oh, you've got a disease. Well, you know what? I don't buy into that. I don't buy into the fact that if you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict, that it's a disease. That as, because if you can cure it with your own behavior, then that means that it's a result of your own behavior. And you're not just some hapless victim who was walking down the street and struck with, you know, drug addiction. So I don't, as a taxpayer, don't want to pay for somebody's choice. And the more we send people the message that they're a victim and which of uh, some kind of addiction, and it's therefore no fault of their own, the more we're going to have that in society and the more we're going to have a breakdown of society and the more it's going to cost us economically. Well, I agree that the breakdown of morals uh, and the family and the society is causing problems uh, with all kinds of bad behavior. But I don't think that the answer to that is to criminalize the bad behavior. I think the answer to that is to improve our society uh, from a cultural standpoint. Mm -hmm. Let's be Americans again, Americans who believe in self-reliance and independence and taking responsibility for their actions, you know, who for the most part have a Protestant ethic. You know, you didn't need to have drugs be illegal 100 years ago because people just didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, or if they did, it was our Native Americans. They went out into the desert and did them some 
peyote. Peyote or is, what's it called, Todd? It's, pe- it's peyote. peyote. Yeah. yeah, all right. Hey, um, we're going to take a break. and we come back, we're going to shift gears. Um, this net neutrality is coming back up. You remember net neutrality, Alicia? We talked about that months ago, back in like February. Uh, that case is coming up back in the news again, so we're going to talk about that. And I've got a feel-good story to talk about before we end our first Monday night edition of the Andrea K Show. We're so happy to have you spending this time with us. Follow me on Facebook and on Twitter at Andrea K Show and Alicia's on Facebook and Twitter as well. So we're going to be here right after the short break. Don't go anywhere, folks. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 this is AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Having a great time here tonight. Before the break, we were talking about the rise of heroin addiction and overdoses in the country and really whether or not we need to be treating this as like a health care you know, situation or, or a crime. And to me, it's criminal. Don't be doing it. It's a it's a rise in, you know, domestic issues and domestic crimes. And you're just going to basically don't do it because you're going to destroy your life and you're going to and it's not going to be good for you or for society. You know, really, that's my public service announcement. Don't do drugs. Right, Alicia? I agree. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> you heard that here on Andrea K. Show. OK, back in February, I don't know if people have, have really, you know, remember this, but there was something called net neutrality. That came out, and that involved the FCC stating that broadband providers do not have the right to free speech, um, saying that broadband providers are conduits. They're not speakers. Therefore, they don't have the right for freedom of speech, which is really twisted and such an excuse for a government to come in and control the content of these broadband providers. Now, the exceptions to that are, are, I guess, like Netflix is is an exception to that. But it really, it's it's like your internet providers, whether it's whether you've got Comcast or Cast or whether you've got Directv. And there's even some the former FCC commissioner Harold, I don't know how to say his name, Furchcott Roth. 
and the Center for for Boundless Innovation and Technology. He argues that the rules violate the First Amendment of Internet providers to, to display the free, the free speech that they choose. He says if rules such as these are not received under the most rigorous scrutiny possible, government favoritism and censorship masquerading as neutrality will soon cascade to other forms of mass communication. Uh, he goes on to say, in addition to compelling speech, the order impermissibly singles out broadband providers without imposing similar requirements on the speech of other Internet activities and entities. And, you know, anybody who thinks that it's just far fetched to think that they're going to try to control speech through this is crazy because they've been trying to control speech in a variety of other ways. Look how they use the IRS to try to control speech. Alicia, that's what the IRS was all about when they targeted these these conservative Tea Party groups with their 5013Cs. Look how they right. tried to use the Department of Justice to shut down James Rosen and to get to and, and, and to shut down his reports and to get to, to his sources. So why would but they not? Why would they not use the FCC and use net neutrality to do that? They will. And and the other problem is, you know, just as a practical matter, you have bureaucrats who become petty tyrants and their own pet BS, uh, it becomes what they enforce. So they think one thing, think speech should be a certain way, websites should be a certain way, and they enforce the things that they care about. And so you have people who are unelected officials making all the decisions in this country. That's why regulation is bad. That's one of the many reasons why regulation is bad, is that we have way too many uh, bureaucrats controlling things that they shouldn't be controlling. The problem I have with net neutrality is that uh, not only does it uh, allow for bureaucrats to have um, power where they they shouldn't, but the free market should be allowed to decide how the Internet is run. There was nothing broken about the Internet. It is um, a wonderful free market. And when the government starts interfering, that's when things go wrong. Yeah, and of course, one of the ways that it goes wrong is they get involved and everybody's service levels go down. Because it's not supposed right. to be fair for somebody in some poor community to log on the Internet and have slower service than somebody in La Jolla. You know, so it's about it's it, any time. Liberalism is about control, and it's about the, it, the spread of mediocrity, you know, across the board. And some former FCC commissioners have come out and, and, and against this. And he says, it is conceivable to me, this is Ajit Pai, uh, an Indian guy. He says, it is conceivable to me to see the government saying, hey, we think the Drudge Report is having a disproportionate effect on our political discourse. Uh, right. You know, I mean, we can, we can just see this coming. But, yeah, they want to get involved in anything that that's involved. They don't want free enterprise. They want to control enterprise. And every time they do, they don't do it. Well, at all. In fact, I saw a report with John Stossel the other night, a fellow libertarian, and he does amazing reports. And I did not know this, Alicia. I don't know if you know this, but Whole Foods had come under fire from the government. They were being accused of a monopoly. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me get this. Somebody comes up with a unique idea, a competitive advantage. They are smart in the way they grow their business and managed growth. They... Through the course of that growth, he goes around and builds all these stores everywhere, which, of course, involves massive financial risks and liability on his part. He ends up employing many, many, many people. But then the government says, hey, wait, wait a second. Because you've got a unique idea, we're going to punish you and accuse you of a monopoly. He spends $30 million or so trying to defend himself. And then he's realizing he's up against the behemoth of the tyranny that is the government and decides, you know what, I'm just going to settle the case by shutting down like 40 stores he shut down. How many people went out of work? Thanks to liberalism, 
because they get involved and they end up hurting everybody through their incredible right. tyrannical desire to control. That's liberalism. It's crazy, too, because Wall Foods for a long time was like a darling of the, you know, the coastal liberals who believe in anti-GMO, organic, everything. Right. <laughs> you would think that they would be celebrating him. And where's, a mono- yeah. and where's a monopoly, by the way? Because here in San Diego, we've got stores like Sprouts and health food stores out the wazoo. There wasn't any monopoly. And when I go to Whole Foods, by the way, I see a lot of stuff on the shelves that I can get at my Ralph's. And, you know, and actually for a lot cheaper. And they don't exactly corner the market in pairs. You go to the produce department, you know, their apples aren't necessarily any better, any more organic than the apples you get at Ralph's. It's nonsense. It's out of control, tyrannical government. And it's crazy to me that people don't don't wise up to it. And that, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, there's no harm in Whole Foods. I mean, like, I don't shop at Whole Foods because it's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's plenty of places for me to shop. I mean, I've, I've got, in my neighborhood, along with Whole Foods, you know, I've got half a dozen other grocery stores I can go to and farmer's markets. Yeah, so where's the monopoly? It's 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 a ruse, and they ended up, you know, they ended up punishing him, and in, in the course of it, what ended up happening, they ended up punishing the employees, because with liberalism, everybody gets punished in the end. And, and that's, yeah, and I, I want to use that this as an example of how liberalism can turn on anybody. So Whole Foods, like I said, was a liberal darling for a period of time, and now they turn on them, and so... Anybody whose group is, um, you know, liberal darling right now and thinks that they want to pursue the liberal agenda and they're going to always be safe, remember that. You are not going to be safe. At some point, you are going to be the disfavored part, uh, group, and that's when they're going to turn on you. You have to have principles in government or um, it's just pandemonium. Yeah, and, and the reason why they're going to turn on you is because it's, it, it's, it's the mean green mother monster of government that's, that's about amassing more and more and more control for the people. Some of the, some of the people that we have in Congress are true believers. They actually believe that they're helping people with this nonsense. But many of them have a really scary agenda that they, it's very calculated. They know exactly what they're doing. And it's what I talked about at the top of the hour because it's about amassing more power for them. And when we are at a place in our country, Alicia, where we've got 20,000 people showing up at a rally for a socialist, we're in trouble. And the Republican Party needs to, we need somebody that can articulate why free markets are better. Why, what is going on here with with taking down and and destroying jobs through government control, like what they did to Whole Foods and and false accusations of monopoly. What's going on with the EPA and the regulations and all the other regulations like labor regulations and how it's hurting business and ultimately hurting the people with, you know, forcing, you know, companies and industries to raise minimum wage. We desperately need some Republicans on the stump who can and and we need we certainly got to have a nominee who can effectively articulate the benefits of free market. And why not use an example like what happened to Whole Foods? It's the perfect example. We've only got a few minutes left. I want to share a feel-good story that I found on the Internet. This one just really touched my heart, and I don't know if you heard this, Alicia. There's a town uh, called Spring Hill, Tennessee, and this little girl named Talia Sassman-Schausen, I guess is her last name, five-year-old little girl, her mother planned for her to have a birthday party for her fifth birthday. They invited 30 friends, and none of them showed up, Alicia. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I'm just like getting choked up because I got a niece who just turned two. And I cannot imagine her fifth birthday party if my niece went out and got, you know, um, 
she got a water slide and a cake and just, you know, you know how moms do it and nobody right. showed up. So the mom was just broken hearted. She put a post on the community's I Heart Spring Hill Facebook page, asked if anybody want to come over and celebrate my daughter's birthday. Alicia, 75 people showed up from that town for that little girl's birthday party. I wish I could see some pictures of it because this was just amazing to me to think that there's still communities out there that would just show up for a little girl's birthday party that they don't even know. And, you know, we we talk about so many tough stories here on the Andrea K. Show that hear something so sweet like this, people coming out for a little girl. That just touched my heart. Yeah, that's a nice story. And you know what, though? I think that we ought to uh, not not necessarily focus more on that stuff, but, you know, bring it up every once in a while. Because I think that it's important that we have our communities. And, and we talk about the power of communities. Because mm-hmm. a little bit of compassion like that, not only is that wonderful for that little girl, but that's, you know, when communities have compassion for each other, that's what counteracts violence and crime. Yeah, Exactly. And and it counteracts crime and violence. And it also when you bind people together, you know, that's really what this country was founded on. Initially, it was founded on little communities. Remember Little House in the Prairie? You know, that that's what it was about. And, and as a nation, we ended up becoming a republic of states. And the idea is that you all you're you're like minded. You have a similar value system. You help and you support each other. You don't rely on some centralized government that's going to control your community and tell you what you're allowed to eat and drink and and sleep and basically control your lives so that's one reason why i love this story and then then the idea was that if you didn't like this particular area what this group was about you know and you like this other one over here better you could go there and so i just love the idea of of, i love this story because it just warmed my heart that people out there would care about a stranger like this and also just the sense of community and we got about a minute left and i think that we have a phenomenal community here of friends and supporters of the Andrea K Show on Facebook, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Andrea K Show now. Alicia, what's your Twitter handle? Is it just Alicia Dern? I'm Alicia Dern, yes. And uh, the same thing on Facebook, it's Alicia Dern or Bellatrix Law. That's right. And we are going to be here Thursday night at 9 p.m. So you're going to want to set your clocks for that. This is the last Thursday and Friday show of the Andrea K Show. And then we're going to be on Mondays every week from 8 to 10 p.m. But we are going to be here this Thursday from 9 p.m. We're going to be talking a little bit more about Huma Abedin because, you know, old Christopher Hahn, he didn't want to hear me bringing up anything about Huma Abedin. Well, you know what? There's a lot to know about Huma Abedin. And there's a reason why that woman's emails and what's going on with the Muslim Brotherhood. That's one reason why that, that those emails in particular were hidden. So we're going to have updates on that and whatever other hot topics come up between now and then. Let's keep the conversation rolling on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you all so much for sharing this time with me. Alicia, thank you for being here. We're going to spend All right, we're going to see you on Thursday at the same time. Thank you, Todd, for being a great board op. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys Thursday at 9 p.m. right here on AIM 1170, The Answer. Have a great night, everybody. Love you all. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.